What's up, everyone? I'm Andrew Steinwald, and this is Zima Red. On this show, we speak with the users, founders, and creatives that are diving into the world of unique digital assets, also called non-fungible tokens. Andrew Steinwald is the managing partner of Sifermion, an investment firm focused on the NFT ecosystem. All opinions expressed by Andrew and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Sifermion. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Sifermion or related entities may maintain positions in the assets discussed in this podcast. My guests today are Otto and Yas. Otto and Yas are building Galaxy Fight Club, which is a Web3 native cross IP PVP game. You can think of it like Super Smash Bros, but for the metaverse. On this episode, we discuss the Galaxy Fight Club meta, how to balance skill-based gameplay with NFTs, why integrating third-party IP is so important, building game logic on-chain versus off-chain, earning NFTs through fun gameplay, why play to earn with NFTs instead of tokens is more rewarding, and so much more. Please enjoy my conversation with Otto and Yas. Otto and Yas. Thank you so much for joining me today. Super excited to chat with you guys. And to get us started, I'd love to hear a little bit about your backgrounds. And let's go with uh, let's go with uh, Yas first. Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having us. Uh, really appreciate you taking your time, and uh, excited to be here. Um, so a little bit about me. Uh, I come from a marketing background. Um, I studied something a little bit different: uh, econometrics and operations research. Um, but I figured that. All of the numbers and the whole mess with like uh, an analysis and all of that stuff wasn't really my thing. <laughs> so I decided to go into marketing, uh, founded my first business when I was uh, 21. And uh, yeah, at the beginning of uh, last year, which was uh, 2021, I found out about NFTs uh, thanks to Gary V. I think uh, very like many people in this space, <laughs> I think he opened the door for for a bunch of us um, and got addicted right away. Um, started looking deeper into the market, started collecting a couple of uh, really nice pieces and uh, yeah, just started thinking about how I can integrate the knowledge that I that I acquired throughout these years about marketing and everything to the NFT space and how that can be beneficial to specific projects. And uh, yeah, that's how I ended up with Galaxy Fight Club. I saw that um, Otto was hiring, uh, which I'm forever gr uh, grateful for, um, applied, and uh, I'm on the team now as CMO of Galaxy Fight Club. Amazing. Otto, I'd, I'd love to hear more about your background. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having us as well. Um, I, I come from a consulting background, so um, I worked at Deloitte helping uh, basically Fortune 500 companies to um, improve their business performance, you know, everything from increasing revenue, cutting costs, and all that stuff. Um, and then a couple of years ago, I moved into traditional uh, mobile gaming. Um, so during my time there, I also worked in uh, strategy, so similar to a kind of an internal consulting role, where I helped them, you know, look at what, what type of mobile games they should create, what genre, um, how they can innovate on these products, what features to build, uh, how to build them, all the way to really publishing and go-to-market strategies. So a lot of the stuff that I that I did uh, during my time in the mobile gaming industry is very relevant to what I'm doing today. You know, um, developing a mobile game, um, marketing it, publishing it. Um, in terms of getting into crypto and NFTs, I've, I actually um, started really looking into metaverse when, when, it, when it was like uh, in 2020. So it was pretty early, I think, for this concept. Um, but at that time, I didn't really take it seriously um, because 
you know, uh, I didn't know about NFTs back then. But in 2021, I started learning about NFTs and I, I knew about this, you know, metaverse idea already. So NFTs was one of the first things that really clicked for me that made me feel like, okay, that, that there is actually a really good use case for, you know, blockchain technology and how that could actually fit into people's, um, you know, virtual identity identities and the metaverse. So I got into NFTs uh, in 2021, bought some punks, um, bought an ape, um, and at yeah, at that time, there were a lack of utility to a lot of NFTs. So that's kind of why uh, we started Galaxy Flight Club uh, in 2021. That's really cool. Okay, so I, I want to double click there, you know, a, a little bit more. And because you heard about this concept of the metaverse, what was your first uh, kind of, you know, th- what were your initial thoughts on the metaverse? Because I feel like it's a very broad, wide ranging topic that it doesn't really fit well into some sort of uh, analogy. And that's number one. Number two, why was it NFTs where, you know, that really made you kind of understand what the metaverse is, is, is what the potential of the metaverse is on a much more deeper, deeper level? Yeah. So at, at the, at the start, when I first heard about metaverses, I, to be completely honest, I was a little bit skeptical of the idea because, um, I just didn't really understand the difference between, you know, like for example, an open world game or like a sandbox game compared to the metaverse. That it seems to me just an, a, a new marketing spin on an existing idea or existing product. Um, but I think coming across NFTs changed my perspective uh, significantly. And that's because it really allows, uh, you know, digital assets to be truly owned by individuals. And I think that it's, it's a huge paradigm shift because, you know, previously uh, people aren't able to actually own digital assets um, but NFTs allow for that. And once you are able to own digital assets, it kind of builds that foundational layer for metaverse because for any virtual world uh, to exist, there has to be a virtual economy. And for any virtual economy to exist, there has to be uh, the ability to, to actually own digital assets. And I think uh, when I didn't know about NFTs, it just seemed impossible for me to, to, to comprehend that this world could exist, right? Without that foundational layer, that infrastructure. But I think NFTs, provide that infrastructure. Um, obviously, it's still very early, but I think uh, it, it essentially enables the possibility of, of a metaverse or, you know, uh, virtual economies to exist at, at, at scale. Awesome. And then, yes, you mentioned that you got deeper into the NFT ecosystem or you really learned about it from Gary V. But was that your initial foray into Web3 or did you did you hear about it before and you were interested? Or, or like, I'd love to hear your journey into kind of the Web3 ecosystem. I definitely heard about it before. Um, I, de- I heard more about you know the the whole cryptocurrencies and all of that stuff, uh, but I was sort of skeptical. Just like I think Ardo brought it really to the point where when he said he was like skeptical at first, uh, it was pretty much the same with me. Just because I I didn't know en- enough about it, um, and I think that's the largest barrier to entry that most people have when it comes to the Web three space is they hear about it here and there. Um, maybe some of their friends talk about it on the side and you know they pick up some conversations, but they don't really dig into it. And that's essentially what, what, what was exactly my case. Uh, I heard about it, I read about it every, like here and there, saw a couple of people talk about it, but it wasn't someone who like paved the way for me. Uh, it wasn't someone who I trusted. And I've been following Gary for years. So it was really easy for me to resonate with what he was saying 
actually listen to the the information that he was providing and just take that leap of faith uh, and make sure that you know I do my due diligence um read up on everything in regards to that uh, to, to the web3 space and uh, get started you know uh, I think that's kind of yeah what my process looked like and I'd also love to to touch on something that Otto mentioned with the uh, the the innovation and the metaverse uh, and everything related to that and owning the digital assets uh, i think i used to be a huge gamer in my teenage years and i, I was one of those dgens who spent um more than fifteen thousand hours of in-game time in like an mmo <laughs> so i spent a lot of time uh, online and just thinking back on it i think um if something like that can exist to where it actually rewards the players more than it used to do uh, like obviously people in the uh, in in the traditional gaming space they can you know sell their accounts and whatnot uh, i think that's still like some sort of i guess return on their in-game playing time uh, or or in the case of um, i think like counter-strike or world of warcraft or whatnot you can sell like specific weapons and stuff like that but um it's not to the degree to where it's actually, you know, the, the ownership uh, that's being transferable um, and verifiable on chain. It's just essentially a different system. And you, it's, it's, I think it's even illegal to some degree, I think, right? Like you're not supposed to be like selling your accounts and stuff, um, or at least it's against the, the terms and conditions of, of uh, many games. So hearing more about that got me, is like, is like one of the things that got me even more addicted to the idea of everything that we're working on and especially something that uh, Galaxy F uh, Fight Club is striving to become, uh, you know, one of those play and earn uh, games rewarding players for the time they actually spend in game on top of actually, you know, being being that enjoyable uh, or having that enjoyable uh, gaming experience. All right, yeah, so you, you, you got to tell me, 15,000 hours, that's like, that, that's like a little bit less than uh, two years, I think. So what game was that? I, I have to know. <laughs> it's <laughs> it, it was Guild Wars two. I don't I don't Guild actually. Wars. Yeah, have you heard of it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Wow. Yeah, I I used to spend a lot of time playing it. I was super addicted. I was I mean, back in my teenage years, I wasn't really as social, and we moved a lot. So I was I was moving like countries very regularly with my family when I was younger. So I didn't really put that much effort into socializing in the real world. It, for me, it was always you know, more emphasis on connecting with people online uh, because that was like the constant thing that was there for me, accessible wherever I go. Um, so I think that was like a huge change or a huge shift in mind for me. Um, but uh, yeah, the game was the game was fire. Um, I wish I could find the time to still play it today. Unfortunately, I don't. And for me, it's like either I go like super hard <laughs> or I'd rather not play at all. <laughs> oh, I love it, love it. I don't do, can, can you top 15,000 hours? I can. I think I. I think I got close to like maybe eight thousand hours, ten thousand hours wow. on like. Uh, I, I was also super deep into MMO. I, I played RuneScape. Um, that was yeah. I spent too, way too much time on that game. But uh, 50, classic RuneScape. So so around eight thousand hours. Man, that 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 is that is. I need to ask everyone that, that now. Like, what, how many hours do you have? What is your what is the most number of hours on a single game played? Like that that is a really interesting question. Amazing. I think it just helps you understand, like. The concept behind, you know, Web three and digital asset ownerships so much easier. Hundred percent. I think the best way to really understand any ecosystem or really anything in general is just become like a power user of that thing. And so you guys are clearly power users. So speaking of that, 
Uh, we've been talking about it a couple of times, but could you tell me like what is Galaxy Fight Club and why is it exciting? Yeah, so Galaxy Fight Club is a cross-IP PvP game um, that's designed for the uh, entity space. Um, so what we basically allow people to do is to log in with their different NFT assets. Uh, so for example, you could log in with a um, Animetas character or a Bored Ape character, and you could actually use that character to play inside our game. Um, and you can win rewards, win tokens, uh, and NFTs that way uh, as part of our play-to-earn mechanics. So uh, you know, our, the gameplay style of our game is what we describe as MOBA, so Multiplayer Online Battle Arena. Um, it's a three versus three type of game. Each match lasts around five minutes, and uh, essentially it's a it's a it's a death match. Death match. So the team that gets the most kills or eliminations win win the match. Um, but you know the the kind of first principle we try to follow is that this has to be a fun to play game. Um, and then the second kind of uh, principle is that this should be a inclusive game, uh, game platform that allow different NFTs to participate in. Um, and in, in the same time, giving them, giving all these different NFT collections utility and additional use cases. That's awesome. Okay, so I, I obviously, you know, I think that there's a big focus on the fun factor because I feel like, uh, you know, the, uh, I, mean, I don't want to say this is kind of broadly speaking, but the first generation of blockchain games were not, you know, super super fun to play. Um, not that they weren't boring or anything, but they just weren't like they didn't have. It was hard to com- compete with re- regular gaming. And that inclusiveness that, that, that you spoke about. So um, you said that people can bring NFTs from different, you know, outside of Galaxy Fight Club and actually use them in game. Can, can you can you touch upon that? Yeah, for sure. So we started this project back in August uh, 2021. And so at that time, there were a lot of PFP projects uh, popping up. And once, you know, we realized that there weren't a lot of actual use cases for these PFPs. And... Um, I've always been a huge fan of Super Smash Bros. So in that game, basically, you can play with characters from different collections, right? You can play with a, you know, Pikachu from the Pokemon franchise against a Super Mario, and uh, and so it occurred to me that there's a huge opportunity in the space to basically tap into all of these existing communities and these existing collections and allow them to play against each other in an actually fun game. So uh, the way that we've designed the game is that for we have built a number of uh, in-game assets or characters for many different projects in the space. So, for example, we partnered with uh, CyberKongs, Animetas, um, Wicked Craniums, um, Booze on the Block. These are some really early projects. Um, and then also, like, uh, some even some play-to-earn games out there today, like Illuvium. And so, uh, holders of NFTs from these collections can log into our game and essentially unlock a corresponding character to these collections or to their specific NFTs. And then they would be able to play with these characters inside our game against other characters from other collections. Um, so, you know, for example, if you own a, um, uh, a a golden ape, you would actually be able to uh, authenticate that you own this golden ape. You would then be able to play as a golden ape in um, in the game um, after verifying that you, you actually own this NFT. So that's basically how the uh, how how it works for for um, you know partner collections integrations. That's super cool. Okay, so can I you know can, can I take my me bits and then go go you know go in Galaxy Fight Club and battle 
And if I do so, uh, do I get better? You know, am I stronger versus like a CryptoPunk or like, like, does it affect the actual um, gameplay or is it purely a cosmetic kind of kind of cool flexing kind of community type of type of thing? Yeah, so, so right now we haven't integrated MeBits yet, but it's definitely on our roadmap. We're um, trying to integrate as many projects as we can. Um, and I, to, answer, to answer your second question, th- there are definitely differences in stats. So depending on the rarity of your actual NFT in that collection and also the kind of price of, of the collection on average, um, those two factors determine the strength of your character. So again, to use Board Apes as an example, if you play as a gold ape, uh, your character is going to be much stronger than a brown ape or even a trippy ape because it's more rare uh, within that board ape collection. And also, since board apes are you know obviously super expensive compared to the rest of the PFP collections, they are also naturally going to be a bit stronger than the other collections. So these are the two factors we, we take into account of when we give the stats to the NFTs. We also take into account of specific um, uh, traits. So, um, you know, for example... You know, cer- certain characters uh, might be might have a faster movement speed than um, uh, than than others, and also their clothing items, their um, their their eye traits might also give uh, bonuses inside the game. So, for example, again, laser eyes might give you some attack bonuses. Um, so these are all things that we're gonna be building in into the game um, uh, as we as we build out the the, the projects. So to play to play devil's advocate here. Is you know if I have you know the most rare board ape, wouldn't I just dominate? Like if 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 I just go in and yeah, I could just like wipe the floor with everyone. Is there some sort of way that other players that don't have as rare of items can defeat that that ultimate you know character? Yeah, that's a great question. So two things here. I think the first thing is that this is a game that's that he- that's heavily reliant on teamwork. So it's a three versus three game, and so uh, it's completely viable for a team that has great teamwork to outsmart um, and win against a team that may have stronger characters individually but don't have that uh, level of teamwork. So uh, teamwork and and kind of strategizing as a team is extremely important in this game. Um, The second part is also we, you know, there there is a difference in stats and power between the different NFTs, but the difference or the power differential is really limited um, so that it's not a completely pay-to-win game, right? So, um, in other words, even if you're playing as a base character, you have uh, you have you have a chance to actually win against the strongest character with skill and with with stronger weapons, um, and of course, uh, as w- with better teamwork, like I mentioned earlier. Very cool. Okay, that that, that makes a ton of sense. All right. So so about this, you know, this kind of cross IP, like why uh, why do that? Is is there a specific you know, is that good for your go-to-market strategy or is that good, you know, is that good for kind of onboarding new users? Like in theory, you guys could just create your own, uh, you know, pro, you know, your own characters and just kind of only use, you know, force people to, to just use those. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we do have our own collection. We have our own 10,000 Galaxy Fighters um, and you can also play, use them to play inside the game. But I think for us, uh, Cross IP is a, is a huge emphasis since we started the project because we think that um, it's just more fun. It's just more fun when you have more people participating on a platform and more variety in the characters you can play. Um, again, using my example of the Super Smash Bros. game, 
you know, I think that like, if you think about that game, it's actually a quite a repetitive game. You know, it's always the same um, uh, kind of uh, platformer gameplay style. And, um, you know, the, the controls might be similar. Um, the gameplay style is, is similar. But I think what makes that game super fun to play, even throughout all these years, is actually the fact that you can have so many different matchups with different characters, you know. Um, and because of that, it never really gets boring. It's always every match is with a different with a new character or different characters from the oppo- opposing team that makes it refreshing and fun. So I think we, you know, when we designed the game, we wanted we want it to be fun and we want it to feel refreshing every time. We don't want it to be repetitive, right? After playing, you know, for a couple of weeks, couple of months, we don't want it to be like boring. And so I think one thing that allows us to do that is to allow for uh, variety, uh, not just in uh, weapons or armor, but also more importantly in the characters that people can play. And of course, um, from a more business and go-to-market strategy perspective, being able to tap into these existing communities of uh, of people that are, you know, really loyal fans to their to their PFP collection is uh, is, is a good is a, is a good a good approach to essentially tap into more uh, more users and more audiences to bring onto our platform. So will there be some sort of, uh, I guess, meta in the sense that like people uh, after playing some, you know, after this game is fully live and people understand it and kind of understand the, the nuances, will there be some sort of overall meta where, okay, we know bits are stronger than, uh, are really strong against Cyber Kongs and Cyber Kong is really strong against Bored Apes, et cetera, et cetera. Like, will, will, will that come to play or overall is it mainly about that, that strategy and, and kind of teamwork that you mentioned before? I think at the moment we're focusing more on the teamwork and uh, the kind of uh, gameplay skills. I think um, in the future we may add in certain like strengths and weaknesses of different collections, um, but I think it's too early for that right now. Right now we just want to make sure that you know the gameplay is balanced between the different collections, between the different avatars, the different weapons. Um, we scale the user base, and then after that we we can consider um, you know more more complexity. Uh, in, in matching up. Okay, so so the teamwork element, I want to dive deeper into that because in, in Super Smash, it's like, I mean, I, I guess there's a little bit of teamwork, but um, it's, you know, 2v1, like, I guess like that that's kind of the, where the teamwork element comes into play. But with this, is there more of a strategic element where I'm like having to, you know, push over a barrel and like the barrel runs into the other player or, or like, like how is that teamwork coming to play? Yeah, so I think there is definitely more strategy to a MOBA game and to our game than Super Smash Bros, in my opinion, at least from a teamwork perspective, right? Um, and that's because in, in our game, you can think of it as a mini or mobile version of League of Legends. So there are like bushes that you can hide in. There are um, obstacles that you can hide behind. There are tunnels um, that you can, you know, go under and uh, approach the, uh, the enemy side. And there's also like, melee weapons and ranged weapons so uh you know the melee weapons for example is really effective up close um it, there's there's lifesteal on melee weapons on the other hand ranged weapons are more effective you know obviously from from range um but they are more they're, they're weaker when um when, when they're playing against melee uh, uh enemies and so i think first of all you have to decide you know in 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 the optimal team how many ranged players do you want to have how many melee players do you want to have Maybe it's two ma- range players plus one melee player, um, and once you have that matchup, 
you might also consider the weapons you use because some weapons give you um, AOE uh, effects or area of effect uh, weapons, and some others, you know, are are more like damage burst type weapons. So similar to League of Legends, you want to think about okay, do you do I want to have one player that has an AOE weapon and others who focus on um, focus on uh, damage output, and then there are some weapons that are even good for defensive measures, right? Right, They're like for example, for example, uh, Molokov. Um, uh, uh, kind of grenades that you can use, uh, you can throw it around your own team's area to prevent the enemies from actually approaching you. So e- even just in the team setup and the weapon selection, there's a, a lot of decisions to be made. I think after that uh, is then about, you know, how you approach the enemy. Like, do, do you want to stay in your own base? Um, do you want to have the melee, wep- melee team member go out there and the range... Uh, teammates falling behind so i definitely think there's a lot of uh, a lot of strategy both in both in character and weapon selection um as well as like how you actually play the game how you move where do you hide yourselves and uh, and, and all that stuff that's really cool okay so th- you, you mentioned weapon selection will the weapons themselves be nfts and, and like tradable and like acquirable assets yep so um we we did a second collection back in november second drop and that was for our weapons so these weapons are all you know on chain nfts that you can equip onto your uh, characters whether that is a galaxy fighter character or any other character that we've integrated into the game Um, and you can actually do a bunch of stuff with the weapons as well so you can actually merge you can actually forge them Uh, so forging in our game is basically where you merge two different weapons and you get a you know, stronger um, uh, random weapon from from that merge. Um, so that's that also happens entirely on chain. Um, you can also train new fighters with our, with our weapons. So um, where you essentially burn these weapons and you uh, mint a new fighter from that process. So yeah, it is on chain, and there's actually uh, some other on chain activities you can do with these. Very cool. And then you guys also have uh, death robots. I, I, lo- I love to know like what, what are those used for and why are they special? So death robots are um, something that we drop to holders um, after our first initial collection drop back in August. Uh, and the way you got those was you had to basically hold a fighter from each race in our game. Um, uh, so, so in our galaxy fighters, of the, the, the 10,000 galaxy fighters, um, they are from a number of different races. And so at, at that time, if you had collected one fighter from each race and uh, you had all these races during our snapshot, then we airdropped a death robot for you. So a death robot is also an, another race in our in our galaxy, in our world. And uh, it's one of the strongest uh, races of fighters in, in, this, in this galaxy. So there are only a couple hundred of them. There aren't a lot of them. Um, but... Yeah, they're one of the strongest strongest fighters and characters inside the game. Very cool. All right, so I, I want to go kind of zoom out a little bit here. So what what makes Web3 games, I guess, special? Like, wh- why not just, you know, make this into a regular game? Yeah, so I, I can go first. I'm sure he has his own take. Um, but I think that Web3 games essentially allow, like, well, first of all, I think there are two things here. First is digital asset ownership, um, and you know, as as a super hardcore RuneScape player, I 
you know, back back then it was super easy to, um, it was super easy to basically like lose your assets or get scammed, and um, so you really get to understand how valuable your your digital assets are. And there are cases where people grind for you know thousands of hours, right, and their um, their account gets gets banned or their their items are are, are lost or kind of discontinued, um, removed from the game. And so I think that 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 was a concept that really stuck with me. And um, I think with referee gaming, being able to own your assets is is a huge game changer because you, you not only truly own your assets, even if the you know even if the game company itself shuts down the game one day, um, you still have these assets on chain and you can um, continue the game yourself as a community. You can still you know truly own these 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 properties. Um, which is not possible in, in a web in a web two game uh, ecosystem, and the other thing is just being able to uh, well monetize from it, and I think that's really important because it changes the activity of gaming from something that is um, perceived as a time sink into something that is productive. Because you know in web two you could sink eight thousand hours into RuneScape, and your assets, your 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 assets you, you earn inside the game are basically worthless because uh, there there's no proper channel to monetize it. Like sure, there are black market channels you can sell your accounts and stuff like that, but because it's black market, it's like much cheaper than what it should be worth. Um, and so uh, with Web three games, you know when you put the time in to grind in the game, you actually the assets you you earn are actually you know valuable. There is a monetary value on them, and you can transact with them, and so I think that turns gaming into a more like an investment activity because there's a there's a real return on your on your time invested into the game, as opposed to a time sink. Um, I think that's a huge paradigm shift, and it's actually going to make gaming uh, even more like acceptable um, as you know as as an activity, not just for hobbies, not just for leisure, but you know as a, as a way to actually make money. Um, and you know, I I think those two are probably the most, the the biggest differences I would say between Web three gaming and Web two gaming, uh, you know, digital ownership, um, and being able and, and second being able to turn gaming as an activity that's a time sink into an ROI positive uh, activity. Yeah, I think uh, I think that was spot on, Otto. Uh, maybe just to add something to it, I think that. One of the other really large benefits is the fact that it's just a lot more user-friendly from a gamer's perspective. So if we look at the concept of uh, in-game skins, for example, that is applied to games like Fortnite uh, or League of Legends uh, and all of these other games, um, people are really locked to all of the skins they purchase over time. So if we look at it from the Web3 perspective, you know, people could actually buy a skin that they you know want to play with today sell it tomorrow to then acquire another skin uh, i think that's a big big game changer for the overall user experience of players in the web3 space because they can just keep the things that they like and actually you know manage to to sell off the things that they don't like and i think that um obviously with skins being such a huge huge part of the of the whole traditional gaming economy uh, this is definitely definitely going to be uh, something something major to take into account moving forward 
All right, so I'm gonna play. I'm, you know, I'm gonna do devil's advocate once more. Isn't there some sort of issue with introducing uh, like assets and characters and whatnot, like gameplay generally, with some sort of financial value? Because won't people just like farm that game versus actually play the game for fun? Yeah. So my take is that even for Web three, like I mean, the the current challenge with Web three games is that there aren't a lot of fun to play games, fun to play Web three games. That's also why I think traditional gamers are still not very receptive of Web3 games because they have this perception that Web3 games are games that are not fun. You just own your assets and it's a huge, uh, it's just a way to make money, right? And I think um, eventually this, this will change when Web3 games are higher quality and they are known for being fun as well as being able to um, generate income. Uh, but to answer your question, I, I don't think, you know, those two things contradict each other. I think that a game can be fun, can be fun, uh, while being, uh, you know, uh, income generating. So I definitely think that fun, a fun to play game has to come first because um, for any game economy to be, to be sustainable, um, there has to be enough demand for the in-game items that is generated not as a result of people trying to make money but generated as a result of people actually just wanting to, to buy stuff to play inside the game. Um, when a game is not fun to play and people are just buying stuff because they you know, want to flip for a profit, that, that is not sustainable because eventually, you know, when everyone is a seller and not, there, there, there is no real demand in the game economy, then that's when you know, the, the prices of everything just like you know, uh, falls um, to, to zero because no one actually wants them for their intrinsic value. So, uh, yeah, in short, I think a game has to be fun to play to begin with. And once it's fun to play, that will create genuine demand from people who actually want to buy in-game items because they want to use them inside the game and not to make a profit. And that will enable true play-to-earn for the play-to-earn players. Yeah, so do you think it's an issue of, like, saturation? Like, do we need just so many games out there where you happen to earn or can potentially earn some value to make it so normal where people are like not playing the game just to farm it or because because you know right now there's not too many examples where people can actually do that therefore a lot of them get i guess kind of gamed um you know get gamed in the sense of like like farmed and so once there's you know in the future is which is where we're headed pretty soon here there's going to be you know hundreds of games where you happen to earn or can potentially earn some value so you think that once that just becomes normal, people will uh, focus less on that and just fo- focus mo- mostly on the fun factor and be like, "Oh yeah, I happen to you know earn twenty bucks here, like pretty cool." Yeah, I think the issue is that the large majority of people who are playing in these play to earn games today are still people who don't who want to flip for a profit, who want to make profits, and there's nothing wrong in that in itself. But I think for again for for any game to be successful in the long term there has to be enough players that just enjoy the game itself that just plays for fun um and i think uh the issue right now is that there are so many play to earn play to earn games out there that focus on the player earn aspect uh the gameplay itself might be repetitive it might be boring it might be dull but people people don't care because people think that this is a game that can help them make money um and I, I think that is the issue. I think the issue is, is is that these games aren't fun enough and it's not attracting the right audiences. I think in the future, eventually, Web3 games are going to be as fun as Web2 games, if not more. And at that time, 
the demographics, the user set, the users that are playing these games are going to change. It's going to change from people who just play primarily for money to people who play the game because it's because they enjoy the game. And I think that is when Web three games are really going to take off because until then, um, you know, th- these games just aren't sustainable because, like I said, people uh, play for profits and eventually the profits run out and the users leave the game. Okay, so so building off that. Is Galaxy Fight Club, will you guys have some sort of play to earn element besides just the the actual items themselves? Like, will there be some sort of token mechanism where people can, you know, can actually uh, play to earn? Yeah, so um, the, the, our play to earn system is that when you win a match, uh, your team has a chance of getting these key fragments. So these key fragments are, um, you know, ERC 1155s. Um, <clears throat> so they are on chain. And you can actually use these fragments to combine them into a key. Um, and then you can use that key to actually open loot boxes. Um, and inside the loot boxes, you'll be able to get different weapons, different armors, and, and things like that. And so this this whole process from, you know, from the fragments combining into keys to the keys opening loot boxes, these are these are they are all on chain. Um, and so yeah, we're, we're not our play to earn system, unlike other games, is not based on like tokens. Uh, but are based on uh, NFTs. Very cool. Okay, so so can you can you describe kind of that mechanism of play to earn? Like, is it some sort of like tournament schedule where you're you're fighting other people, and if you win, you get you no know, rare items, or uh, how how does that how does it work? Yeah, so there are a couple of modes inside our game. Um, the first mode is the one I just described. So that you, you can you can play that mode basically twenty four seven, and as long as you can get matchups you can play the game and once you win that match the game automatically drops you these key fragments that you can you know sell on OpenSea. you can sell or you can keep to you know combine the keys and open loot boxes for more valuable loot more valuable nfts that's the first mode the second mode that we're going to have is also um uh, battle royale uh, buy-in tournaments so uh essentially you know that that might be tournaments that happens on you know at set times throughout the day and you would have to pay you know a fixed price to enter these tournaments but when you win these battle uh, these battles um, you would then win the entire prize pool so for example if it costs you know everyone has a buying price of one eth and the prize pool is like 10 eth then the winner actually gets all 10 eth and obviously the losers lose their initial buy-in um, amount so that that's one other mode that we are going to create as well and on top of that, on top of these two modes, we're also going to have um, uh, weekly tournaments where um, we, we have like uh, kind of prizes. So um, these prizes might be distributed in, in our native currency called Gcoin, or they might be distributed in Ethereum. But each, uh, each, each of these tournaments should uh, distribute around two ETH um, in prizes. So... Those are kind of three ways that people can earn um, in our game. Very cool. All right, so I want to talk kind of, again, more macro here and onboarding, you know, the, let's say like the next 10 million users. So so we already talked about how games in general, like Web3 games need to be more fun. And that, that's definitely the direction that we're headed. But beyond that, like what are some, what are some like technical challenges or, or other challenges that, that Web3 gaming face right now in order to bring on you know the, the the masses. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I honestly think it's just a, a, the reputation of Web three games. 
Um, I think from a traditional gamer perspective, it's it, it just seems to be something that it's it's kind of like a Ponzi scheme for for a lot of traditional players. Like obviously, I know that's not true for most games, um, but because it's so heavily focused on the earning aspect and token prices usually go up because others buy it and um, usually the game itself is, is not fun so I think that creates a very negative perception of Web3 games I think um, changing that per- perception is probably the, m- the most important thing I think um, I think to, to do that is, is difficult and it's going to take a long time but I think um, traditional Web2 games companies getting into this space is actually uh, in some ways a good thing because it helps change that perce- perception um, these Web2 gaming companies are known for creating high-quality AAA games. And if they start releasing Web3 games or partnering up with Web3 companies, uh, native Web3 companies to create games, then I think um, it's going to bring a lot more Web2 players. So, um, yeah, I definitely think that's the, the, the key challenge, I would say, for Web3 games. All right, so let's kind of dream here. Where do you see Galaxy Fight Club, let's say, like, I don't know, five or ten years in the future? Like, what do you want to have accomplished, and where do you want Galaxy Fight Club to sit in terms of kind of this this Web3 gaming or kind of gaming more broadly ecosystem? Yeah, so when I think about the um, future ecosystem or even, you know, the future metaverse, is that there are going to be a number of different platforms that people go to to enjoy different experiences. Um, So... I don't know if you've seen the movie Ready Player One, but uh, essentially in that movie, there are different planets and each planet is known for a different experience. So people take their avatars to a planet, you know, known for gambling, for example, if they want to go to a casino and and gamble. And then they might take their avatar to a different planet um, for uh, battling, you know, for combat, for for excitement. Um, And so I think in the future... The, our reality could, could be very similar in the sense that there are different platforms that people go to for different experiences. And we're kind of already seeing some of that, right? Like, for example, Sandbox, um, it's a sandbox genre game. So it's designed, the core enjoyment factors in those type of games, traditionally in Web2 games, is, is, is about building things. It's about socializing with people. And so I think, you know, maybe in the future, people go to the sandbox to socialize, to build things. Um, and, you know, obviously, uh, Board Ape or Yuga Labs recently announced their other side game, the Metaverse. And, you know, that world could be a platform that is known for collaborative gameplay, cooperative gameplay um, in, a, in a very strong storytelling um, narrative. And and so I think there are all these different platforms. And for and my vision for Galaxy Fight Club is to be that platform that is known for uh, PvP uh, kind of gameplay, fast-paced PvP gameplay. So, like I said, if people want to relax and build things, build cool things in the in the sandbox, they, they they go do that on that platform. And then if they're bored of that and they want some excitement, if they want like an adrenaline rush and you know fight their friends, then uh, or fight against other other uh, other collections, other projects, um, then they come to Galaxy Fight Club. So, um, hopefully, that's what we can achieve in, in a couple of years. Amazing. All right, so so do you have do you have any kind of advice for uh, founders? And this would be for Ado, and then for Yas, like, do you have any advice for operators? Because because one thing that I feel like is a little bit lacking in, in the Web three ecosystem, and especially like the NFT ecosystem, is storytelling, which is a little bit uh, ironic, just because I feel like 
NFTs themselves, like often like they are stories, like that's really the value that they bring. But I feel like the the level of communication, communicating these stories has not been uh, super, you know, effective in, in some sense, or like the, the, there hasn't really been a focus on marketing. So it's, it's, I would love to get your perspective on that. But yeah, first with, with Otto, I'd love to hear what are, what are some of the challenges of being a founder in Web3? Yeah, so I think with starting a project in Web three, um, in, in this space right now, it's it's a lot it's a lot of hype and a lot of trends. So it's very easy to just start a project because others are doing it. You know, uh, there's a trend with starting anime PAP projects. There's a trend of um, starting like kind of cartoonish doodle style uh, PFPs. And before that, there was you know art projects. And and so I think it's very easy for founders to just do what is trendy at the moment and, and kind of follow the crowd. Um, but I think it's it's important to understand why you're starting something and and why you pick in the direction you're going. Um, and, and for us, you know, since the beginning, we've, we've focused on the cross IP aspect and um, the building a truly fun to play game. Um, and so I definitely think, you know, when you start a project, you, you have to understand how you're unique and the direction you're following instead of just following everyone else and following what's profitable at the time. Um, and then beyond that is also just thinking through um, what like what it takes to actually deliver the, the product. Um, I think I think there are a lot of founders today that are starting a project, um, creating a game or creating and trying to create a MMORPG or, or a sandbox style game and they don't understand like how difficult it is um, in, 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 I mean, coming from web, web two gaming, in, web two gaming industry, it, it takes like huge amounts of resources, both financial and um, from a human resources perspective, to to build something, you know, that that that's actually good quality uh, in these game genres. So I think, uh, I think founders should actually just really look at their roadmap and and think about what it takes to accomplish them. Um, so definitely think. Um, you know, following your own direction, having a unique selling point, and then also just being realistic about whether you can deliver something or not uh, are probably two advice I would give. Um, and beyond that, it's just understand that, um, you know, when you start a company in the Web3 space, it's very different to starting a company in Web2 space because you are directly in touch with the community, uh, you know, through Discord, through Twitter. And so in in some senses, it's, it's, it's much more, there are a lot more responsibilities to to um, to operate a Web3 company because you have to be accountable to these people. You have to communicate with them. And this is also something something that I'm learning every day and improving on every day, which is to, which is to uh, you know, um, do better at communication. Uh, it, it's actually a, a huge difference, I think, between running a Web2 company and a Web3 company. Yeah, I think marketing-wise, um... I wouldn't even exactly know where to start. This is something that I spend hours upon hours on every single day, you know, talking about with uh, a couple of my friends who are also in the marketing space and stuff. So uh, it's really, really, really difficult and sought after topic in the NFT space because I think um, the, yeah, I think most of the people that are founding projects uh, or at least like legit projects um, are creative people who have a great idea or a vision, but they don't really know how to, you know, get it across, how to market it, uh, how to make people aware of their project. Um, but I think that something that a lot of people are doing wrong in the space is 
not working on inclusiveness, uh, but rather exclusiveness. And what I mean by that is you see a lot of projects trying to just build their own thing and having that large barrier to entry when it comes for onboarding new people, um, even if it's if, even if it just means having to buy one of their NFTs, like that's already a very large barrier to entry. Um, but they take it e even further than that and say that um, you know they they don't want to collaborate. They're super exclusive. They don't do this, don't do that, and they only focus like on their own thing, which isn't like inherently bad. I think this is the approach that um, would rather come from like um, a web two business model. Um, but something that's like super overlooked in the NFT space is just, you know, being, uh, being like, yeah, just more inclusive, inviting other projects on having open discussions about things, trying to find, you know, similar touch points to uh, build something together. I think that's what makes great projects nowadays. And that's also what got me so excited about Galaxy Fight Club. Um, it's because, you know, all of these projects coming together, being able to play within the same ecosystem. Um, I think that's what really makes it. But um, yeah, apart from that, I think that, um, yeah, one of the, and I think Otto touched on this uh, as well, uh, one of the major things in, in the space at the moment is, uh, you know, riding the wave, um, finding out what's trending uh, and kind of building off of that. Um, I think overall, there's just a huge demand for people with like a marketing background or some marketing expertise in the space. Because um, there's, yeah, there's legit just so many people asking, you know, hey, hey, yes, do you know someone who can, you know, help us out with our marketing and stuff? Um, so I think that there will be a point in time where these like hype waves will start to dry off. Uh, and we saw this already, right? Like if we look back to uh, to like mid to like mid uh, 2021, where literally every single project was selling out, um, to now where you know people became a lot more aware of what uh, you know a soft rug might look like. Uh, obviously, like it's it's not always easy to find out, but also after uh, the couple of incidences that happened with the really expensive mints in the past couple of months, um, I don't want to name drop anyone, but I think everyone knows like who, who I'm kind of uh, referring, referring to, but um, people became a lot more aware of their purchase decision, uh, especially when it comes to minting, because it is a risk. Like a bunch of these people aren't even... Um, you know, that well known in the space, they haven't really built a name for themselves. Um, not to mention that uh, a, a ton of people um, are just, they clearly communicate that they don't really care. <laughs> uh, and it's kind of obvious to tell and people still like buy into the hype regardless. Um, so I think, um, yeah, one one thing that or one one big shift that we've seen also in the in the past month or two uh, was you know the whole the whole NFT space, the whole large community becoming a lot more aware of what they're actually buying into, um, and I think there will come a point in time to get back to my main point that I was going to make. I think there will come a point in time where we we will see less of these like hype waves, and we will see more of high quality marketing, more of like high quality execution. Uh, also when it comes to branding, communication, um, 
and staffing and all of that stuff. Um, I think that's really what's going to distinguish a lot of uh, successful projects uh, from everyone else in like the long term and also like upcoming projects moving forward. Awesome. All right, guys, are you ready for the closing questions? Absolutely. Sure. Alrighty, this is for both you guys. Uh, let's go with Otto first. What is your single favorite NFT that you own? My favorite single NFT is probably my CryptoPunk. Um, obviously, beyond the my, you know beyond our own Galaxy Fight Club NFTs, um, and I think I think it just because it's my favorite because it's one of the first NFTs I bought um, in this space. Um, I learned so much from the CryptoPunks Discord. Uh, learn about literally where I learn about uh, art blocks, learn about board eight yacht club, and um, so I, I definitely own a lot of my experience to to the punks community, and I think it all started with me acquiring that piece of NFT. So for me, it, it has a kind of a personal meaning, and um, it, it's just interesting to kind of look back on where I started, um, and uh, I think I think that NFT is is meaningful in that sense. So yeah, definitely my crypto punks. I can 100% relate to that uh, because my favorite NFT is also the first purchase that I ever made or the first mint in my case. Uh, and that's a VFriend, uh, the bubblegum spectacular kind warrior. And it is that emotional kind of thing that you that, that just combines you and, and makes you resonate with that NFT. I don't know how to explain it. I think it's just something really emotional. Um, but that's why I was saying, you know, I can totally resonate with with, with uh, what Otto was saying. Um, I think there's something special to that. And um, there is actually a NFT that I still want to get. And um, uh, I, I'm kind of putting Otto on the spot here. But <laughs> I remember my first on my first working day at Galaxy Fight Club, like, I don't know how many months ago, maybe like six or seven months ago by now. Um, I, he told me that I can choose a profile, like something, I can choose a, a galaxy fighter from, from the vault to make, um, my profile picture for the time being. And I chose one with the galaxy fight club hoodie. It was like an orange hoodie. <laughs> and sometimes people message me and say, yo, you still, you, you know, you still feel you're still like the same person that, uh, that was here like a couple of months back when you were still that guy with the hoodie, you know, the GFC hoodie as your profile picture. Um, so that's still something that I want to get because there's also something I, um, I, yeah, just, just like emotional, that, that emotionally binds me to that, to that NFT. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to see if I can still get my hands on that. <laughs> I love that. It's so cool to see that like, you know, these, these pictures on the internet, you know, these JPEGs can actually, you can actually build a, a emotional attachment to them. It's really, really interesting. And I think that's a, that's one of the major strengths of NFCs broadly, but so, so cool. All right, this one is for Ado only. Which subsector within the Web3 world has you most excited? And, you know, this could be kind of, uh, oh yeah, and sorry, not, you can't choose gaming. You can choose anything but gaming. Uh, but what has you most excited or most interested within the Web3 world today? Um, I think what interests me most is probably... Um, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult one besides gaming let me think about this I think probably art um, so I think you know back in 2021 after I bought my CryptoPunk I was um, I was quite into art blocks I think it's, it's super interesting to have generative art and um, then got into one of ones 
But uh, I think you know since then, since since twenty twenty one, I think I think there's not much, not as much interest as there was um, back in twenty twenty one in in art now. Um, so I'm I'm curious to to kind of see where it goes um, to see if if there's in, if interest comes back to art. Um, like my my personal opinion a couple of months ago was that was that PFP would be a would be a trend and it would be a wave. Um and then eventually the NFTs that truly last over the you know multi like half decades, decades would be like art, like NFT art. Um but yeah, it seems so far that <laughs> profile picture collection it seems to be like super popular and still just growing the market share. So I d I don't know if this is gonna happen, but I definitely, you know, think that art will have their time under the sun again. Um uh, so to so to speak, and yeah, um, definitely art art is super interesting to me. Um, besides gaming, awesome. All right, this one is for Yas only. What is your most controversial thought relating to Web three? My most controversial thought. <laughs> I feel like that's an even more difficult question than. Uh... Oh damn! <laughs> My most controversial thought. My I think. Um. Give me, give me, give me one second to think about this. This is a toughie. It's, it's definitely not, not, not a, not an easy one for sure. I think I made a tweet, um, like a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, that was sort of, uh, I don't know. My most controversial thought. I think that my most controversial thought has to be that people are building identities in Web3 um, thinking that they can hide behind their anonymous profile picture. And I did make a tweet about this a couple of weeks ago where I said something along the lines of um, I'm keeping it real to my Web2 me and I made a huge thread about it because there was some stuff that happened um, that just made me realize how glad I am to be at the place where I'm at right now. And it just got me to another level of appreciation for my real life. Um, obviously with my background, also in like gaming and stuff, um, in my in my earlier years and now in the web3 space where sometimes you know i just i just didn't leave my my house for like days in a row i would just order food to eat i would sit on my computer i would work all day then check check on my like web3 friends for a couple of hours and stuff uh, go to bed and repeat right um i just came to to a point in my life where it was like I, like for real no matter how fun this is, no matter how much I enjoy it, um, it's time to really appreciate the the real life that we're all living and not get like too hung up on the experience. Even like as amazing as it may be, I'm not saying that it's not good. Um, I want to make that very clear. I really enjoy that experience. Um, but a lot of people, to get back to my point, I don't want to get too, or go on too much of a rant here, but um, a lot of people are hiding behind their identities. They're living the Web3 life as if it was their real life. And 
they're doing things that in the real life that, that in real life would get them into trouble and that's something that i want to moving forward want to make more people aware of to be extra cautious when it comes to these things um especially when you know investing their hard-earned money uh, i think nfts and the whole web3 space is something that's a really let's just call it a very expensive hobby to get into um so that's something that is probably one of my more controversial if not the most controversial thought that i have regarding the web3 space love that love that awesome all right otto next one is for you you won the lottery and you are not allowed to work in Web3 gaming. You can do anything else. You can go travel. You can go start a new company. You can be, a, you know, whatever you want to do. And let's say that you won like $10 billion, like something something absurd. What would you do with your life? Honestly, I would probably just be doing the same thing I'm doing now. Um, kind of kind of a cliche answer maybe. But um, yeah, I, d- I definitely think that this is exactly what I was meant to be doing. I think my background in... in uh, in consulting and then subsequently in traditional mobile gaming, um, you know, brought me to exactly where I should be, and uh, I think I'm 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 well placed to try and turn Galaxy Flight Club into something substantial, something significant, and um, definitely want to do that. Um, not just for the money, but you know, just to know that uh, I can do it, and also to um, to to really push the space forward. Love it. All right, this is for both of you guys. If you could snap your fingers and, and, and instantly change or improve one thing in the Web3 ecosystem, what would it be? And let's go with Yas first. If I could snap my finger and immediately get change something or improve. to change. Yeah. Oh. Otto, you go first, please. I need, I need time <laughs> to think about it. These are really difficult questions. All right, all right. So um, mine would be maybe, I mean, asking for this might be changing the nature of Web3, but I think that it would be great if people in the space um, pay more attention to the underlying product of a project. I think there's, I think the space is too hype-based, uh, there's too speculation-based. And, and one example I have is um, like uh, Wicked Craniums, uh, I think maybe a week ago, got like a huge influx of, of money, uh, got a huge pump because apparently someone saw a Wicked Cranium painting in a Bored Ape Yacht Club uh, picture, like in, in one of their uh, one of their kind of marketing material pictures. I, I, I don't think it, it was even a Wicked Cranium picture, but it was just because people thought that it looked like one and because of pure speculation that, you know, the uh, th- this particular project got pumped. Um, I think, and I, and I think speculation like this, like these type of speculations, um, are unhealthy for the development of the space. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it is what it is. But I, I would definitely, if I could snap my finger and change one thing, I would change that people focus more on the product of a, of a project uh, instead of speculating and and uh, making purchasing decisions based on hype. Okay, um, I think that the thing that I would like to change or improve is the complexity of the web3 space to people that are non-native so people who are looking into it but don't really get it just yet having like a funnel or having something in place 
that they can consume that is like really easy to just take in and understand to make them realize what they're actually missing out on. And the second, I'll, can I add one more thing? <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, being like, I, I would also like to change the way a lot of um, people in the space approach newbies. Like a lot of people are not really friendly to new users in the Web3 space. A lot of people like, I don't want to say like mob them or anything. Like it's probably, that would be over dramatizing it. But um, a lot of people just make jokes about new people in the space. A lot of people, you know, make it diffi more difficult as opposed to easier for, for new people to get into the space and feel like, feel, feel like they can, they can feel like at home. So that's something that I would like to change. Love that. Awesome. All right. Th uh, this is the last question. It's for both of you guys. Uh, where do you see the NFT ecosystem in three years? And let's go with Yas first. In three years. Uh, I mean, a lot of things can happen in, th in three years. Um, where I see the whole Web3 space in three years is definitely uh, having a much larger user base. Um, I would see ourselves using the way uh, using the word uh, metaverse in a more defined way. Um, so right now, it kind of feels like everyone has their own definition of what a metaverse is and what it's supposed to be, what it's supposed to look like. Uh, I think that's something that will change over the next three years. Uh, I see. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go straight out and say this. I see blue chips being worthless in three years, uh, or or let's say some, some of the blue chip projects that we refer to as blue chips nowadays, uh, I see them being worthless three years from now. I see actual value-based pro uh, projects taking that um, spotlight, um, obviously not exclusively, but to some degree. Um, and I think... And this is probably more based on my optimistic view, but I see rugs and soft rugs becoming less and less of a thing to cure. I'm gonna I'm gonna copy you to a degree, yes. But uh, I I also think that um, in three years we're gonna see a lot of most of these top tier projects today um, fade into insignificance, especially projects where there isn't a like one of the key ways that you could you could build something for the long term um is by creating a game and i think that's exactly what or why board yacht club is is doing that um because as a pfp project there is there there are only so many activities you can do there's only so much community building you can do you know once you once you kind of do all those things like treasure hunts uh, merch all that sort of stuff on the roadmap you kind of run out of things to do um and so uh, I think for a project to last for three years, which is actually super long for an NFT project, um, there has to be some, 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 some utility behind it. It could be like a game, and it's probably the most common way, but it could also be real life utility where, where you actually get access to, uh, some sort of real life perks uh, or access to a physical location like a club or something, that actually has real benefits too, uh, to 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 being able to enter, um, so. Yeah, that that's all I have to say. That I think you know, out of the blue chip today, I think only a few would remain. Um, and then I think in terms of gaming, um, probably optimistic, but I would like to see that games that are not fun 
and overly focus on overly and have overly reliant on 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 the earning ability and just making money um they they will no longer gain traction in the space because there will be too many of them and people will notice and realize that for any success for any game to be successful long term it has to be fun and so that should you know um essentially filter down the list of successful games in the future to just the fun ones um so yeah that's that's what i think will happen in three years amazing guys thank you so much for, for coming on this was an absolute blast if people want to find out more about yourselves find out more about galaxy fight club where, where should they go what should they do yeah so the best way is to visit our website uh so galaxyfightclub.com and uh you can find you know uh, our twitter discord handles um on the website and uh yeah it's been great really enjoyed really enjoyed this podcast and you know thanks for having us andrew yeah, and uh, our DMs are always open. So if there's any questions regarding the team, regarding the project, regarding any details, uh, please feel free to message us on Twitter, on Discord, or Telegram, or wherever you are. Uh, we're very likely to be there too, and our DMs always get read, uh, no matter how many of them they are. <laughs> and yeah, Andrew, thanks so much for having us. Uh, I think we had a great time on here, and uh, I love the questions. Awesome, guys. Thanks so much. Hey everyone, stay tuned for more episodes of the Zima Red podcast and subscribe to the Zima Red newsletter for more info on all things NFTs. Thanks so much for listening.